0: Uh, but just the way it it says it for me is is such a, I would say, authentic description of what God is wanting us to posture ourselves into. I really feel this morning there's a posturing that He wants us to get um, as we go into the Word and we spend time with Him. Uh, how many of you know the scriptures from orientation where a- Andrew speaks? You know, um, Paul actually writes. He says your, your gatherings do more harm than good, and um, you know, and I, I really believe God is never wanting us to to find ourselves in that space where we came, but we missed. And we missed what he He wanted to do in the moment. And uh, just this morning as we go in, speaking about prayer, but I I love the definition in verse 6. It says, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet and a secluded place so that you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. And the focus will shift from you to God. And you will begin to sense His grace. And I feel this morning God is so longing to show us a grace that we don't deserve. I just want to pray into that before I start. I, I feel like maybe your mind's still busy. But God is actually saying this is the posture. start sensing something and the word grace is so beautiful it def- it's actually definition of us receiving something we don't deserve and i feel that's like a thread that the lord's been really highlighting this morning so i just want to pray into that before we start okay so father i just thank you for your word lord and, and i mean your word is so powerful Lord. even even as i was just reading it i can sense you know sometimes we want to oversell it but luke 1 Verse 47 says, my word is with power, my word is with authority, and my word is able to come and perform what I want it to perform. Lord, this morning, this is your desire, that your church will gather with a posture, Lord, to send your grace, that every time of gathering will be a time, Lord, where there's a, there's a pouring into that we don't deserve. Lord. We, we don't deserve, as I said this morning, we don't deserve salvation Lord but Father even this morning we don't deserve the insights to your character and your heart and your love we don't Lord but we pray this morning that that this time of gathering would be not one that's displeasing Lord but one that captures your gaze one that you say I see those hearts I see the posturing and I want to I want to now shift this atmosphere to an atmosphere of grace I want to come and impart into your life my wisdom my love the way i feel about each and every one of you i want to come and do it this morning because i love you Father. thank you that now that the shift will be towards the grace of god and not human ma- wisdom so thank you for that lord in jesus name amen okay so this morning um i want to something that's been burning in my heart the last couple of weeks is uh if i can give it a title i would i would want to put something into you and it's this thing that you would fight for your posture of encounter that you would fight for the heart's attitude to encounter him every single opportunity that you have if it's in a coffee shop meeting with someone that you will fight I mean, there's so many, uh, you know, we can say, yeah, it's just fellowship. Mary and Elizabeth is one of those examples where fellowship came about and there was the impartation of the Holy Spirit into someone, the other person actually started prophesying. Of course, the posture was one of always, always being ready. What if God speaks? What if God is wanting to do something? What if God is wanting to move? What if God is wanting to show himself unto us? And here's the thing, you know, we sometimes miss it because even the disciples missed it. They only later got to this point in in the Gospels where they said, but were no hearts burning when that that atmosphere, that setting, in that setting, the scripture of God was made known unto us, but they didn't recognize the person. They missed it. And they needed another encounter to encounter him again. Okay, and then you can go Old Testament, uh, Joshua saying to the, so to the people, just keep a bit of distance between you and the ark, because this time, when God encounters you and he brings about testimonies, it's going to look differently to what it did before. And we sometimes get into this place um, where we can miss, because we, we start putting more emphasis on the, I would say, the platform than the posture. And this morning, I want to just maybe provoke your heart again. I don't think it's something new. I always encourage myself, I don't have to be like the best guy when it comes to re- revelation. In John 18 it says, when a Pharisee, meaning someone teaching the scripture, comes into the kingdom and now he becomes a vessel for the kingdom to teach people the ways of God. God says out of his household and out of his treasury, sometimes he will bring things that are fresh, but sometimes things that's just familiar. And we need to sometimes hold on to the familiar things of God and not let go of them. Because they're precious. They're in the treasury. They're precious to God. And he, in his house, there's, there's a value that he places on it. Okay. So it might sound like a simple kind of logical preach, but I think it's very powerful if we get it. Okay. And I want to start off with a question this morning. Is there anything. I know and guys and all of those guys that read their Bible will be able to answer this is there is there anything in this world that can actually limit god how many of you say there is maybe something that can limit god or yeah these are the guys that study the word (laughs) okay i want to maybe maybe you've never thought about this but this is well for some of us this is familiar but maybe grapple with just this 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 thing you know that there is and it's it's us so in psalm 78 verse 40 to 41 i I used a mixture of some of the translations, so i'm not sure how it's going to come up there but it says how often they and they is talking about they the people of god how often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and they grieved him in the desert Yes, again and again, they tempted God and they limited the Holy One of Israel. Just think about that for a moment. What if God is now wanting to break out, like, you know, even this morning in worship, wanting to break out, never even wanting us to get to a preach or wanting us to go through formalities, but just wanting to break out with His love, His presence, wanting to encounter every single one, everyone on our knees, everyone repenting of sin. I mean, after this, I'm I'm not sure how many people are here, but let's say we baptize 60 people all over again. And a revival breaks open in Bloemfontein. What if God is wanting to do that? But then we, in our posturing, resist that. Okay. And he he can't break in. And he can't do what he's dreaming over the region and to do through higher And through paul and through aaron and the guys that is wanting to use here but but there's a limiting that we bring into the equation okay and then in mark 7 verse 13 jesus himself says this so this is new testament he says does you nullify the word of god by your tradition that you have handed down and that word tradition is actually your mindset so if you define the word tradition a bit further it means there's a doctrine or there's a belief that's crept into you very strongly. And you're not able to bring that under submission to God's ruling. And all of us, somewhere, we carry something. And it might be a good thing, but it, it's, it's not submitted to the ways of God. You know. And in that, in that holding on to that, I said to the guys two weeks ago, I said, we need to get to a posture where we hold on to doctrine very lightly. But we hold on to the person of Jesus very tightly. We need to, because we just want to build doctrine and ways, and, but then God is saying, I, I want to lead you a new way. Like I've never let you before in your life. And sometimes we can walk away with that, that thing. Yeah, you know, all oh you? Yeah, and the guys can have a debriefing afterwards and say, but weren't there a moment where our hearts was burning? He was actually standing amongst us. But we missed them. Okay. And this is not just on them. It says they, the people of God, resisted them. They limited them. Okay. And uh, maybe just I'll get to some posi- positive stories just now. Okay. But in two Corinthians ten, with, with verse five, and all of us, you know, we we know it by heart. We you know, our weapons of, of warfare is not like those of the world, but they are mighty before God for taking down strongholds and all of that, you know. All of us know it, we can quote it. But I, I sometimes, I, I haven't had a lot of people that just read verse 6 with it and just bring it into a bit of context. Like, how will we be able to do that, you know? Because that is God's heart, that we will demolish strongholds, that so the kingdom will expand, but it starts with us. You know, you can't lead someone else if you can't lead yourself. You first lead yourself. You firstly get breakthrough in yourself. And then you infect others. And you encourage others into more of God. Okay. So this morning, uh, just looking at that scripture, it says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought that makes it and make it obedient to Christ, and then verse 6, and we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once there's a condition, our obedience is completed, okay, and I want to use this illustration, like all of us, we are children, we call children in the kingdom of God, so if you look at my family, I have from 22 to up until six years now, so there's a a, a great um, variation when it comes to maturity the way they hear me the, you know sometimes I caught uh, or I get the attention um, some of them are quick some of them are slow to respond just all over the place and it's exactly the same in the kingdom but I want to use the, the illustration of a child towards a father to maybe just get something into that scripture you know it's like my little one that's six years old so it can be all over the place, and she can be climbing a tree or doing something that i as a father feel like this is going to be detrimental to your health somewhere okay so if, what if you fall out of a tree what if you okay and there's so many things that we we there's there's, there's nothing sinful but it's not it's not a healthy mindset for a child to have it could lead to something more devastating and i feel sometimes like y- you know just to use that illustration Sometimes we do that with God. We, we hang on to a lot of things, you know, things that we think about, things that we hold on to, things that we desire, things that we dream about. But it says it sets itself up against God. Now maybe just think, what does God represent? He represents love. He represents safety. He represents you know, uh, destiny. He represents a lot of things onto a lot of people. And the moment we hold on to certain things that we want to do, but it doesn't carry his heart we actually set ourselves up and we i want to say we we resist all of that from the father's side we is it making sense what i'm trying to explain to you guys we it's like a child i can have dreams for that child i can i can just want to love on them in the moment but they want to come go and climb the tree but they miss something in that moment they resist our hearts posturing and desire of the Father just to love and spend time with them in that moment because they want to go and do what they want to do. And I think, you know, when it says, when we come into complete obedience, when you capture that child, you know what changes them. It's not what you say to them. It's the heart they feel from you. It's it's not what you say and how you say. uh, Yeah, what you say. It's more how... You say it. So if my child would to come to me and I were to say, you know, I just so long to spend time with you in this half an hour or for an hour, Daddy just wanted to love on you. I just wanted to, just want to show you I love you. I can guarantee you she would go okay. Then I'm not climbing that tree because I'm going to miss this. And then it's not because Daddy told me not to go. And it's I don't want to do that i don't want to miss this okay it so making sense and and just to bring a context on, onto that scripture of um, it's it's once our obedience once our posturing is in the correct place we start pulling down everything that's resisting god and his love and his care for us and to encounter him okay and uh maybe just an example in the church and then we'll get to the positive examples. Um, If you go to the book of 1 Corinthians 10, Paul writes about there's something that's been written down for us as believers as an example to learn from. And uh, I was thinking about this, you know. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant about your forefathers. They were placed into the cloud. They were placed into the fire. They were baptized into the leadership of Moses. They came through the Red Sea. They were accompanied by Christ himself. The spiritual drink and food they had were Christ himself amongst them. And when I read that, you know, it's, it's, we sometimes come, and that's why I want to get to this thing of encounter, the posture of encounter. It's not about how oh you're yeah, preaching the best preach or me preaching the best preach. It's not about having the best worship. Because this is what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 10. They had the most perfect platform when it came to church. They walked with the presence of God. They saw him visibly. They saw the presence of God. They saw on a magnitude of miracles. I don't know about you. I've never read about anyone that opened up the Red Sea. No one else. Only Moses. The magnitude of that miracle is even in Psalms. It's, it's like the whole time, you know. If, if they used a miracle to describe the might and power of God in their life, they always pointed back to that one and said, he's the one that opened up the Red Sea nothing else after that compared to that <laughs> if, if you could compare it you hearing what I'm saying it's it's it they experienced that they were placed into the leadership where Moses prophesied in the new testament God's going to raise up for you a prophet like me and he was actually prophesying about Jesus in the book of Acts he was prophesying about Jesus saying if you've he could have said if you've seen me you've seen Jesus they had the best spiritual leader they could have had, and it says they had the f- same food and drink which, which was Christ Himself. And then verse five says, "Yet God was displeased with most of them." Then verse six, because they kept setting their heart in the right, uh, in the wrong posture. God's hearing this. There was a wrong posturing, even though they were, I would say, exposed to the best. Possible atmosphere that any church could have had. Their hearts weren't in the right posture, okay. And it's like you know, you can come in here, and Joshine can be cooking, you guys can be planting churches all over Bloom, but something in you, you know, is missing out on God when you don't fight for this posture of encounter at all the time. Something of use there's something that you're missing, okay. So I want to look at some examples, you know, where some people actually got it right. And um, so the first one is in John 4, looking at the woman at the at the well. Most of you guys know the story. Jesus was moving from uh, Judah, um, and he was going to Galilee, and he needed to go through a town called Samaria. And there it says at Jacob's well. Um, so Jesus was uh, was. And Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well. And it was then about the six hours, so at noon, he was, he was waiting at the well. And then he goes on and says, Presently, when a woman of Samaria came along to draw water, Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone into the town to buy food. And the Samarian woman said to him, How is it that you, that you being a Jew, ask me as a Samaritan? And a woman for a drink. For the Jews have nothing to do with the Samaritans. And Jesus says something very profound. He's actually highlighting the, where she's at in the posturing of her heart. In verse 10, he says, Jesus answered her, If you had only known, if you had recognized, and had recognized God's gift, and who this is saying to you, give me a drink you would have asked him instead and he would have given you living water I want you guys to see something she wasn't wrong in saying you're Jew I'm a Sumerian she, she wasn't wrong in saying that there was a law in that time where they weren't um, you know according to law that wasn't the right posture to have, that wasn't the conversation to have that wasn't, so she wasn't wrong in saying it but something in her heart was actually influenced by something in the world she was setting her heart on something that wasn't crushed's way and she missed the very gift of God s- sitting in front of her waiting for her okay it's like sometimes we we get into a church I don't know how many of you I'll will Maybe you guys have went through it. How many of you have been in a meeting where it just goes balls? People start laughing, they start crying, they start rolling over the floor, whatever. And then you get to that place and you're thinking, you're like, is this Jesus? (laughs) Honestly, I remember being part of a meeting like that once. uh, We had a a couple of guys, uh, I think the guy didn't clarify very nicely. So he asked all the leaders to come to the front, but he didn't say leaders of this church. He said leaders. So every guy that thinks he's a leader, God's prophesied it over him, or maybe there's an apostolic call or whatever. He came to the front. And now we have like a fire tunnel going and then the people come through and you lay hands and if there's a prophecy you release it, you encourage the guy and so forth. And uh and there was there was whack stuff, there there was th- stuff that I don't read in the Bible. But um so we've, we've had experiences like that. I'll give you one example. The one lady comes through. Uh, she was in our community at that time. And then um, she came to us. and she's, But I can see she's not smiling. She's not happy. This is supposed to be a pleasant experience. You know, where God touches you, it encourages you. But I, I don't see anything of that. Mm. And she's like, if these people can just stop to try and push me over. Because they were actually like putting their foot at the back and, praying for her and I mean that's not God that's 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 not God and we're just laughing laughing because we know her quite well and I remember just lifting my hand I didn't even touch her and as I did this she just went in the spirit and she she's about 160 ki- kilograms she's quite a heavy lady she went no catcher no usher no nothing she went and she starts laughing And for some guys it was as easy as god but as she starts laughing because we know her we know her struggles we know she's been walking with depression issues and stuff like that as she's laughing i'm picking up how god is actually freeing her up from all the hurt and all the disappointments and it's such a beautiful moment and we celebrate it and it's it's i could recognize in that moment there's a gift of god that is giving on to the amazing stuff after that started happening and that's the thing you know we can sometimes so get stuck into what the world is prescribing or, or mindsets we have or things that we carry that when Jesus is in the room even this morning you can come with a mindset oh yeah and then we're just going to do like three songs and then we're going to get into some guys prophesying then maybe someone's going to preach then we're going to go home or whatever don't get stuck in that any moment God can break in and He can do what He wants to do. Any moment He can come in and He can touch you all. Touch any moment, even while you're listening to me, he can, he can be ministering something else to you. He can, because He's God. He can do it. And we need to have that posture. You know, when you come to community, don't come there thinking, oh, Paul is just going to teach tonight or whatever. Come there with, with a thing that, you know, I'm coming what if God himself has a gift for me what if he's wanting to give me some living waters because you know we all need it this story isn't unique from us it's it's, it's not something that we can't associate with this lady came there because of that time because she had sin in her life she couldn't look people in the eye she was actually isolated there was something weighing down and then Jesus this is such a beautiful part of the story for me even though she didn't go to church you don't go to a meeting jesus shows something of his heart that i'm willing to meet you where you're at that's where she was at she couldn't look people in the eye there was so much shame you can read the story most of you know it she had five men and even the sixth one isn't her husband so that kind of like give you gives you an indication there was a lot of brokenness in this lady lot of lot of reasons worldly reasons for her not to lift her head and look people in the eye a lot of accusations but a beautiful thing is she did an everyday thing she didn't go to church she did an everyday thing and in the everyday walk of life walking with disappointment and shame and condemnation jesus was waiting for her Ready to it because he says you know and I don't know what it is for you all of us can associate with the story Jesus said to her all the drink of this water will be thirsty again and for some of us there's things in our life that we go through in emotions on a daily basis but you don't find life you don't find life you just maintain it's even can I dare to use the example of church some of us, we come to church and you get lucky in filling. There's a drinking. You get something out of this time, and by Wednesday you're dry. First day you're just going through the motion. Friday you can't wait just for church to come because you just want to fill up again in the Spirit. You just want to fill up in Christ. And even that, if that's part of your journey, you haven't said yes to the gift yet, because his, his promises. But whoever takes a drink of the water that I will give him will never, and then he goes on and says, no, never be thirsty anymore. Meaning, and he goes on, it says, it will be, become like a living well bubbling up out of you, overflow. Now I think Jesus is, is uh, looking forward to a church that operates not from not like this lady where it comes, lo- it's like a bucket system. Every Sunday, just give me something, man of God. Just give me something, boss. Just give me something. And then, you know, by Wednesday, I'm dry again. And then next Sunday, it's, no, Jesus is looking for church that's filled with the Spirit, bubbling up and overflow. So that we can go out onto the, into the streets and into the nations and those that, that's, that's thirsty for something authentic and they can get it from us. That's what Jesus is looking for. Okay. But it comes from a posture. So I want to encourage you guys into that again. The posture of in- encounter. It came from that. Okay. Next one I want to have a look, in, uh, look at quickly is in Luke 7. Once again, also a very familiar story. Mm-hmm. Where it speaks about a very sinful woman. That uh, came to the house of the Pharisee named Simon. Okay, so in verse 36 it says, Now the Pharisee invited Jesus to have dinner with him. He went to the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table. And a woman in that town that lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair kissed him and poured perfume on them. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. And then Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed 500 neri and the other 50. Neither of them gave the depth of both now which one would love him more just maybe some things I want to pull out from that story is Pharisees in that time knew they studied the ways of God they knew the ways of God they okay so so I, I mean if you read this even in us that's a church acts to 42 to 40, 47 this this fits into what we do We open up our house, we invite people in, and we have dinner. It fits into the the very, I would say, DNA of what we're about. Okay? So you see this guy actually applying the ways of God, and then Jesus walks in and is missing him completely. Completely. It's a scary thought. (laughs) It's a scary thought of knowing the ways but losing the posture. Nowhere in the story, this, this, this is very intriguing to me. Nowhere in that story does anyone walk up to that lady and say, there's Jesus. But she came with a posture. She came with a jar of perfume. And we might say, ah, oh, it's just a jar of perfume. Looking at the way she is described, she might have been a prostitute. So that jar of perfume actually symbolizes a very being. That's what she needs to keep her trade going. She needs to smell nice. She needs to... That's all that she needs to keep her very life, the way that she knows it, to keep it going. But she comes with a posture. And she says, and it's actually a posture of worship. She came there, and, um, you know, looking at... There's not, not many timelines that I can I can work with but you know if you look at the book of John the first time you you read something like that now some people say this is a different person it might be the same they're not actually sure but looking at the book of John it's actually in John 12 where you firstly read about a lady coming with a jar of perfume and then pouring on, on Jesus's feet but up until that point there's been John 3 16 before that so I think this lady found herself in a place where there were so many, so many weightiness of, I would say, disappointment. Of, Surely, Lord, my life must count for more. Surely, but actually being in a place where she's, she's bound up by sin, she's bound up by wrong choices, she's bound up. But somewhere in her life, up leading up to this point, she must have heard A report of there's one that's called the Savior. There's one that saves. There's one that sets free. There's one that loves like no one else. I mean, she's been with a lot of men, but she's never experienced love and affirmation. But then she hears a report of one man that might be going to a cross to to demonstrate his love for her. I think that's what, what she came with. Came with that posture, seeking, seeking that man, seeking that savior, seeking that one that could love her like no one else and actually love her into freedom. And it's astonishing, you never read her going up to someone, and you know, like in other accounts, you can read people coming up to the disciples and say, We want to ask Jesus a question. And then the disciples would go and say, Jesus, this man wants to speak to you. You don't read this about this lady. Something in her heart's posture, in desperate need of the Savior being set free, that posture showed her who the Savior is that she needed. Not a man. Her heart identified her. And she could walk straight up to him. And I love it, you know, if you go to Psalms 51, verse 17, it speaks about, but also I, I, I I love the way the message says it. It says, um,. It says, when when our pride is shattered, David says, I've learned God worship. It was when my pride was shattered, my life became ready to receive love. And when I read that story about the lady standing in his feet, weeping, something shattered. every defense mechanism that she put up around her. And he cut to the heart, and she started weeping. And you know what? Jesus actually rebuked Simon and says, you you actually had to have the same posture, Simon. Because that's why, why he tells the parable. He says, two people, you know, owned, owned money. And listen to the, to the saying. It says, neither of them had the ability to pay him. And we as Christians, we get so spiritually prideful quickly that we come to a place that we think, thank you Lord, that I'm not as bad as that one but hear me this morning, if Jesus was standing here, he he would have said all of you ought to be at my feet weeping because there's still something in your life you're my workmanship but you're not perfect yet There's still something in your life that you can't pay me back. There's still something that I'm still paying for you. I'm still gracing you that people don't see that. I'm still covering you in love. And we need to hear that from from Jesus' heart this morning. All of us should have been like this, this lady. And it's a beautiful posture because Jesus identifies it as a posture that loves. And he says in verse 50, I want to read it in the Amplified, he says, um, he looks at the lady and he says, Your faith has saved you. Go and enter into peace from, uh, in freedom from all your distresses that are ex- experienced as a result of sin. see here is there's sometimes this stuff like, like Jesus identified, he says go to enter into peace find a place that's free from all the distresses that you're carrying in your life because of places of sin and all of us you know there's, there's, a, there's, there's a place that you get weighed down you get burdened, you get, you get life just I want to say vanishes through the week because there's areas that we're still missing in. But Jesus can heal this. And he did it for this lady. He set her free. He brought her into completion. He actually set her free from all of those distresses. That's the result of sin. Okay. The last example I want to use is in Mark 5. It speaks about the lady of the issue of, issue of blood. Uh, most of you guys know the story. Jairus came to Jesus say, my little daughter is dying. Can you please come and just lay your hands on her, and she will be healed. So Jesus goes, and then on his way, he says, A large crowd followed him and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd, and she touched his cloak because she thought, If I can just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt felt in her body that she was freed from suffering. I almost want to provoke you guys this morning. I remember 2016 i think it was january 2016 sitting in my quiet time and the lord said to me luan can you do one thing for me in this year just one thing i don't care if you go to nations i don't care if you pray for the sick i don't care if you preach i don't care if you plant a church i just one thing can i ask you one thing i said yes lord he says can you please start to get real with me All of us, somewhere in this, this, these three examples that I've read to you, all of us find ourselves there. Some of us are leading churches and we've, we fall into, or we, we, we've, we've known the Lord for a long time and we, we fall into that thing of, this is just His ways, but we lose the posture. And some of us are walking with, like that lady, that there's many despairs. This lady, there's many sufferings. There's things that my mind keeps drifting, and there's things that's drawing out life. I can't sleep at night. I'm on antidepressants. Whatever it might be, there's things that's drawing the very life that Jesus paid to give to you. It's drawing away from you. And then there's like the first lady, Jacob's well. There's the falseness that the world wants to offer you, that something in this world might actually... only jesus i want to connect it with what the lord said to me in 2016 can you get real with me i want to use the scripture to tell you i think in that moment something in my life just changed dramatically in matthew 3 verse 5 in the message it says the following you are blessed when you get to the end of your rope because with less of you there's more of god and his rule You want to know what blessing is. It's not your house, it's not your car, it's not your finances. You are blessed when you get real with God. You are blessed when you get to a place where you feel, Lord, I can no longer do this by myself. You are blessed when you get to that posture. But don't, don't, don't live it once. Make it a lifestyle. That was my posture when the Lord encountered me. I was sitting in 2010 at Mighty Men. And there was a time like this where I came to the end of myself. I was struggling with lust and pornography and a lot of things in my life. And I knew that people thought I was a okayish person. I went to church. I looked apart. I, everything. But I know in my heart I was fraught. I, I knew it. And I knew this was a battle that I was fighting for about two to three years. And I never, never got breakthrough. And I remember sitting, it was a Friday night, uh, it was before Angus Bach stepped out. No one preached anything. Um, what's his name? Um, is it Peter Niemann? What, what? Joe Niemann. Maybe his family, I don't know. What um, <laughs> is his family? Joe Niemann was stepping out of his guitar and uh, he was just tuning it there was a time where the Spirit of God just barked in. I, I know now it's the Spirit of God. I had no idea what was happening in my life. I was sitting there and it just came, it was almost like the Lord arrested me in that moment and he said to me, Luan, how long do you want to try breaking through on your?" The Lord came to me and he said to me, Can you give me a go? Can you give me a try? Let's see what I can do if you totally surrender into my arms. Guys, there was no one preaching. No one. I went there. I actually Omri knows about this six months before Mighty Men. I, I put it the date in my diary. I was still leading a practice. I had my own practice in that time. And I said, come what may, that time, I'm going with a posture to encounter Jesus. I was totally unsaved, But I made a date, and I decided to myself, I've been fighting a battle for three years. I'm not getting victory. Someone somewhere in my upbringing has taught me about someone that can actually save me. And maybe I've never given him a go. Maybe I've never tried him. Maybe I've never said yes to that. But that day, come what may, I'm going with a posture to say yes to that person. And I went. I was forever changed. That was my story of coming to the end of myself. And then the Lord started. He brought more of himself, more of his love, more of his freedom, and the plans he had for me into my life. This morning, I'm going to end with this scripture, and then I want to ask you guys, Not to respond to me, but to respond to Jesus. In Revelation 3 verse 20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears, if anyone listens, if anyone, you see the desperation of Jesus. If there's anyone that can hear me this morning, and you open the door, I will come in and Translations will s- says, "I will come in and I will restore you to what I've dreamed over you." And I feel this morning, can we be honest with God? If maybe you've fallen into a place where you're going through the motions, but you're missing Him, you're missing that posture. Grace is there this morning. That's how we started will shift to him and he will start empowering you to do it better he'll give you something you don't deserve he'll do it not you 2010 i couldn't do it but he could he could do it i feel this morning i'm not going to ask you to raise a hand or stand up maybe ball if you want to grab the guitar so long it would be Something that stood out to me in all of the stories is the lady at the well, she left something at the feet of Jesus. The lady in Luke 7, she came and she found herself in exactly the same posture at the feet of Jesus. translation the hem of his garment she went once again very low and she found herself at the feet of jesus and i feel this morning if you know if anyone hears me if anyone hates me if anyone i will come in and i'll restore that area for you because jesus did it in all three of those stories and i want to invite you this morning if you can if, if your joint allows it. <laughs> and even if you want to come do it here in front. But I want to invite you. If God, if you hear him this morning. Listen to Hebrews 4. Today, if you hear the voice of God. Don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. God is wanting to restore something in your life. If you're here this morning, you're struggling with lust or pornography. Don't harden your heart. He knows about it. He wants to restore it. If you're here this morning and maybe you're struggling with uh, areas of unforgiveness towards people, don't harden your heart. He, he wants to show you that that He's the ultimate, he's, he's the one that forgives. If you're here this morning and maybe there's all of these examples I've used, you know you're maybe like that woman that Man, I'm getting something today, but I'm running dry in the week. Don't harden your heart. He wants to give you a different living water. Maybe you have wasted money like the the lady on on expertise to to address something in your life. And you know the state hasn't changed yet. It hasn't changed speaking to you this morning don't harden your heart come to him sit at his feet and allow jesus to minister to you this morning okay so i want to invite you guys if you can if you want to just come and sit here and spend time with the lord it's not about someone praying for you it's about finding the posture to see him